Welcome to Startup Success, the podcast for startup founders and investors. Here you'll find stories of success from others in the trenches as they work to scale some of the fastest growing startups in the world. Stories that will help you in your own journey. Startup Success starts now. Welcome to Startup Success. Today we have Dr. Kevin Kamak, who is the CEO and founder of Aegis Creek. And I'm excited to have Kevin with us today because he's going to talk about something we haven't addressed yet on the podcast. So welcome, Kevin. Uh, thank you. And it's, it's nice to be here with you, Kate. Thank you. And I rarely read bios, but I'm going to get into some details on Kevin's bio because I find it very impressive and it sets the stage for what we're going to talk about. Uh, Kevin started his career as a scientist working in phototonics at the intersection of semiconductors and biotech, which right there fascinates me. But I love this. He transitioned into business development, and he has more than two decades of experience taking new technologies to market. And on this show, one thing we always go back to is how go-to-market is everything. And so that caught me right there. And then I also love that you have been consulting with technology-driven firms to raise non-dilutive funding from seed stage to post-IPO stage since 2015, so you're Mm -hmm. a veteran at this, and you've helped raise nearly $150 million in direct funding for more than 20 firms in the last five years. Okay, so now you have everybody's attention right there because that is very impressive. So please tell us about Aegis Creek and what you're doing there and kind of set the stage for us. Sure. So just to be clear too, that's $150 million for R&D. I have worked on other fundraising projects for things like manufacturing, build out, loan guarantees and things like that. Those get into the very large numbers uh, really quickly. Uh, But, you know, also those are not generally appropriate. um, Right, right. Okay. Even more impressive. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, so as I, as you mentioned, I started out as a scientist and uh, one of the things that happened very early on in my career was that we were developing technologies, uh, materials technologies for holographic data storage. And this was not a very forgiving industry at the time because, uh, you know, we're up against magnetic storage and literally the magnetic storage guys would would say, oh, we've, we've hit a fundamental physical limit. And then all of us holographic storage guys would go, yeah, we're going to go build a company and raise money and do all this. And three months later, someone in the, in the magnetic storage industry would go, nope, we got over that. Now we can get 10 times the density. Uh, you know, and, and all of us were still struggling to right. go, oh, we don't have a product, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, at one point, I put together a consortium of different companies in the industry and a couple of academic uh, folks that I knew, and we took it all to DARPA and got DARPA to put $25 million to work for holographic displays in the early 2000s, r- around 2004. Okay. Um, some for, yes. It, <laughs> it was big, and it wouldn't, didn't all go to us, right? It was, a, it was what's called a program, which means that they they solicit um, competitive bids for proposals. But I learned a couple of things. So one, um, just because the agency puts together a program and requires competitive bids doesn't mean that uh, you don't, the people who put it together don't get a, the lion's share of the, the money. 
So out of that 25 million, I, I believe that consortium members took $17 million uh, of uh, funding. And the reason for that is uh, because uh, the agency, when they put together a program with a competitive bid, well, then they write the bid documents. All of the, the hurdles are based on what whoever was pitching them <laughs> told them, right? And in our case, it was it was all about our performance and our materials and, and our approach and, and such. So um, it was a really interesting uh, experience and, and a lot of learning for me as a scientist about how to how to do business development and how to focus on product rather than, oh, I've got this cool tech that meets this KPI. Right. That's an excellent point. Yes. And then, uh, so, so I actually, so after that, I went to business school. I got, I got to do a year at Stanford. It was really wonderful um, through the Sloan program there. And then I, I, I learned a lot and I took that time afterwards to, to go and try to start a couple of startups in the uh, in solar industry. You know, while I was there, most of the fundraising that I was able to do was through government because I had some experience and I understood how it worked. And they just like to fund, uh, you know, innovation. So, you know, having done that for several years and been more successful at fundraising through government than, than other avenues, I was really in a, uh, I, I was lucky in, in, that I was able to join a Silicon Valley consulting firm in 2015 that was largely focused on helping tech companies do the same. It raised non-dilutive funding. While I was there, in addition to doing all the fundraising, one of the things I noticed was that the the process of fundraising, you know, which I had gone through and I kind of understood its effect on me, but its effect on other companies was, was very similar in that this process of fundraising through government is very much aligned with the process of fundraising through uh, private investors, right, through equity investors. Uh, and that they ask the same questions and they care about the same outcomes, even though they don't take intellectual property and they don't take equity. So it's, you know, and they don't tell you what to do with your company. That's <laughs> right? so interesting because I wouldn't yeah. have thought that. Okay. So it, it creates a lot of discipline and it also creates a lot of enterprise value. In in many cases, it's a dollar for dollar increase in enterprise value. And so I'll, I'll give you a quick kind of vignette, right, about one company. Uh, this won't apply to a lot of early stage startups, but uh, we worked with a solar manufacturing company and we did get the money for um, for a manufacturing build out. And it was roughly $200 million to build a gigawatt of production, which is it's a lot, um, but you know not terribly huge by today's standards in terms of size. That company, prior to getting the funding for the manufacturing build out, was valued at I believe 20 or $30 million, which was basically the total investment. So uh, within, I believe within six months of the, of closing on the manufacturing build out funds, they were sold for the current value plus the value of those funds that they raised. Really? Yeah. And by the way, based on that acquisition, the company that acquired them was then sold for, I believe it was like six or $7 billion. So, um, that says a you lot. Know, yeah, it's a big deal. And somebody at that company, two, two or three people at that company have now, you know, generational wealth issues that they, uh, they <laughs> we got all want. from that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> everybody is looking for that. Right. <laughs> um, and that all started with a, uh, it, it started with a $6 million grant from the Department of Energy to test out a piece of equipment for for large scale production of solar 
And by the way, the when the company was sold for the second time, right, when the second acquisition happened, they still hadn't actually installed the piece of equipment, right? So this is one of those things where it's all about getting the win and having having gone through the process of figuring out what you're going to do, right, um, and having people see that you can bring in capital and you have forward-looking ideas uh, rather than actually necessarily being, and I'm air-quoting air here, successful in the delivery of a specific breakthrough, right? They got a lot out of it for everything other than the specific technology. And that's the way it should be, by the way. Companies should be, if you're pursuing any kind of funding, the funding should always be for something you're going to do no matter what, right? And it's just to, to help pay for that. And uh, you should be looking to leverage the process to get as much uh, value out of it. Customers, right? Equity investors, uh, getting your processes nailed down, getting a product vision in place, uh, that kind of thing. I like how you phrase that because that makes sense, but I've never thought about it that way, right? That that's what you're getting the funding for. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So Aegis Creek, you're working with a lot of startups right now, right? Yes. So um, can you give us some examples of how you're helping them? Sure. Um, so I guess I didn't give you the mission of the company, so yeah, no, that would be great too. Yes, let let's get into some more about Aegis Creek because I think that's important. So, having noticed all of this and seen the value that it's created, uh, rather than just being a government strategy consultant uh, for tech firms, you know, I said, well, I really, I really love tech. There's a wide range of stuff here, uh, and we can help a lot of companies. And so, you know, we put together, well, I put together Aegis Creek in. February of 2020, I can say my timings is terrible, uh, but I put it together in February of 2020 with the mission to make the world a better place by helping tech developers build sustainable businesses from their best technology breakthroughs, right? In the marketplace, often the worst technology wins. And I, with, with all due respect to Microsoft, because they're very, very good at what they do, but Windows 3 was, was not the best software, but it did win in the marketplace. There's right? a lot of examples of that. Yes. Yeah. So we leverage this non-dilutive funding process because we're good at it and we know how it works to help the entrepreneurs and the technologists not only fund early operations, but also build the discipline necessary to turn tech into product and win in the marketplace. Right. And so um, in the last couple of years, um, let me see the, the, the folks I can talk about. So we started off, again, we started off this this company because it's it's all bootstrapped as a consulting firm. You know you don't get investors, with the goal of first helping the earliest stage companies possible. And so, uh, for example, uh, we worked with a company that was at Cyclotron Road, and they were doing very. Which is a Cyclotron Road is an accelerator at Berkeley. Was one of the first companies we worked with. We helped them raise some SBIR funding, but folks up at Cyclotron Road don't have a lot of money. I think it's like a hundred thousand dollar investment from from the accelerator company. So very, very early stage, uh, they had some product they were spinning out of grad school at the time. Uh, and it was related to semiconductor manufacturing. And in order to turn it into product, they had to do some terribly unsexy work related to wafer bonding, which is, uh, if any of, your, any of your listeners know about semiconductors, it's basically gluing two pieces of glass together, right? 
uh, but it's 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 an important part of semiconductors. It's part of okay. It's critical yes. to what they were doing. Got it. Yeah, uh, but it's not you know it's been done for forever and nobody really thinks it's sexy. So we were able to so I worked with them and we focused on focused on the product and we focused on the outcomes and we were able to take what they did to to the National Science Foundation and get the National Science Foundation to fund the development of this wafer bonding process for their specific uh, product. And, and again, National Science Foundation, it's in the name, right? They want to do science. They want to do really sexy, cutting edge, 20 years from now to product kind of stuff. And we were able to convince them that, you know, because this piece is so important to the outcome of product, right? Uh, and the product is so visionary that uh, they should fund this boring, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hardcore engineering uh, kind of thing. So and you did it. Uh, and we did it. And, um, you know, we have another we have another client uh, that is doing uh, it. Uh, they're they're doing work around identifying the location of uh, network accessors. Right. So this is this is a this is a network technology. It's a bunch of math, uh, a bunch of packet related stuff. Again, not terribly sexy, very hard to, to sell. Uh, and they were they were kind of struggling with productizing it for a while. Uh, so we, you know, we work with them to both identify new products that they could, uh, they could build um, and get them some funding from the Air Force, uh, which you know, was a, a first round SBIR, which resulted in a, a much larger, nearly a million dollar uh, funding event from the Air Force. And to take their core product, which they were having some, uh, again, Interesting. It had a lot, has a lot of use in the commercial marketplace, uh, but they weren't. Uh, they were kind of focused on on a very small niche. So we took it to uh, to the intelligence community. The intelligence community was really interested, and part of the outcome of that discussion with the intelligence community was was an add on to discussion with co with uh, content providers in the marketplace around digital rights management, which ultimately has led to uh, actual product sales for that company. Right. You know, we still haven't heard back. By the way, we applied for this money from the intelligence community nearly a year ago. Okay. <laughs> right. And they've they've got the they, you know, they've they haven't told us no, but they haven't told us yes yet, which is really unusual. It takes this long. But in the meantime, the company's taking all of that process and actually getting real customers and getting real valuation, which, by the way, also led to um, investment. We So they brought in two investors. The founder of the company is now an adjunct professor at a local university because of uh, the work that we're doing, right? Which is helping him get really excited, young, uh, talented kids uh, working on stuff that, you know, again, it's 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 hardcore math that's been known for a long time, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but now, but that now that there's a product vision that is is really interesting, people are interested in doing it again. I so. bet. Those are great examples. So you must have quite the network to think of all these different avenues to pursue for your clients. Yeah, so, so that's double uh, <laughs> S for such a really pointed question. But right. um, you know, to be honest, what I'm really good at is shoe leather sales, right? And I understand how the government works, and you know, from the um, from the government side, all the program managers change roughly every four years there there are just to prevent corruption the agencies try to churn through program managers it also brings in people who know what's new right so so we do have a good network in the sense that i know a lot of people 
that have been in and out of government uh, and have talked to them for a long time. But to be honest, the, 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 the real value here is in being able to see, you know, like, like I like uh, computer science. So I'm a chemist by training, right? Which is, has nothing to do with computer science or, or engineering. But I took a bunch of computer science classes when I was younger and I have a bit of ADD. So, you know, then I, I learned about semiconductors and uh, then I learned about clean energy and I learned about biotech, right? And a bunch of other things. And so constantly all I'm doing is, is trying to, is understanding I know what the agencies want to see in the long term, right? I know a lot about different uh, industries and sectors and what the cutting edge is there, not enough to do work in it, but enough to understand kind of what's coming, right? And, and the I opportunities. Can, right, and the opportunities. And so I help my clients kind of think about their, okay, you know, their product. What customers have you talked to? Have you thought about this avenue or that avenue? Hey, you know, we know that there's two and a half billion dollars set aside from DOD for um, for medical programs. Have you thought about, you know, for example, uh, a lot of, there are a lot of companies doing telehealth uh, related to psychiatry, right? Well, uh, under the con congressionally directed medical research program, which is funded through DOD, and uh, I believe right now it's like $1.5 billion a year, there's a very large interest in, in managing uh, psychiatric and psychological illnesses. Right, um, remotely, um, which is not something you'd normally think DOD cares about, right? No, they do. that's yes. See, that's what I'm trying to get at. You have the fact that you know that, right? Mm -hmm. Is so yeah. such a huge value to your clients. And we, you know, we spend a lot of time. I mean, this is one of the reasons why you like to hire a consultant for things like this, is because I spend most of my time learning this stuff. And if you have somebody, I mean, if you're Merck or your Genentech or your Intel. Yeah, you can afford to hire a couple of people to do this stuff. And it's really not that important to you, right? I mean, if you're making a, even if you're a hundred million dollar firm, right? Doing a hundred million in revenue here in the Valley, you don't have the, the, the money or the time to put somebody full-time learning about government. We do that. Um, and so, you know, our clients now, like I said, we started off with pretty early stage folks, but we have a couple of public companies that we work with as well as large uh, kind of private companies um, in addition to our, our stable of, of cool technical guys that right, I love to talk right, to. <laughs> right. That's fascinating to me. It makes perfect sense, um, that value add that you bring and not why you would want to go the consultant route for it. Yeah. Those, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there's another, there's another value here. And uh, so I suppose that maybe some of, some of your folk, uh, this may be a little bit of inside baseball, but when you're selling to government, so this is one of the, one of the problems that everyone complains about when they're selling to government or going after grants is that it's distracting, right? I've got to think about a bunch of stuff that aren't core to my company or my strategy or whatever. And worse than that, right, the government has an outcome that they want, and then they're asking for funds. Well, you don't have to sell the government what they're asking for. You only have to convince them that what you're doing is on the road to what they're asking for and has value for it. But if you're the CEO of a company and you're going after something and someone's saying, well, I want this, right, you're thinking about, well, okay, how do I sell it? How do I create a product roadmap to that? All of that is distracting. It gets embedded in your brain. And now suddenly your company's off track. Your investors hate you because you're not focused on product. You're doing too many things. So 
actually having us is a great bit of plausible deniability for the CEO and a great buffer, right, for the company in general, because, you know, we work with the we work with companies to identify all of the things that they are doing. Right. And then we'll work with them a little bit on the aspirational part. You know, what could it be useful for? But on the sales part, right, ultimately, much of that comes from us and we'll focus on the sale. We'll 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 script it according to the government's needs. We'll tie in the opportunity that the government is looking to or the problem the government is looking to solve to the work the company is doing without committing the company to solving the government's problem, which is often very random, right? It's a problem and they've chosen a route. The government is a bunch of people sitting in rooms in Washington that are brilliant, right? And not in touch with the world, (laughs) right? So they'll come up with a route and ask for people to do it, right? Uh, And that route will have really no real utility in the real world. And so you can either go down that rabbit hole or you can do what we do, which is you you guys focus on what you're going to do. Tell me what you need. We'll get you money to do that if you'll let us sell it to the government as it has potential to solve this problem and potential to to be the kind of thing that you want uh, without committing you to actually making it later on. And then the company can decide. You know, we have had companies, for example, the SBIR program, and I don't know if your listeners are aware of this, but many people are. It's a small business innovative research grant program it was created in 1983 as a jobs program, it requires every agency with more than $100 million a year budget to put three and a quarter percent of its budget towards, towards grants. Then it's a three-phase process. So phase one is a, is a feasibility study. It's typically a quarter of a million dollars or less. Phase two is a prototyping effort, and that can be, that can be up to about $4 million if you do. There's a phase, phase two, and then there's a phase two A and a phase two B and, and so on. But the initial one is typically one, one to $1.5 million for a prototyping effort. And then there's a phase three, which is, is a procurement by the government. That is to say, a sale to the government. And those can be pretty, pretty high. So we had a client that we worked with uh, just two years ago, actually, uh, that did a phase one for EDA tools to the government uh, and, and security around software provenance and got the phase two. And halfway through the phase two, got a multi tens of millions of dollars contract for selling their software to government. So the rabbit hole made a lot of sense for them. The rabbit hole made a lot of sense, right? (laughs) Yes. That's a good, yes. I see where you're going with this. Yes. Okay. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, But mostly it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And, And it's important to stay out of that. Uh, so yes. we are the we are the Chinese wall between. Right, you're that buffer that makes yeah. sure the the uh, business is still acting in its best interest as well. Right. Interesting. Okay, I'm looking at the time. I have more questions for you, so I think we're going to have to have you back. Um, I have to. <laughs> we have to close. I want people. I want to end with how our listeners can get in touch with you and and Aegis Creek. But before we do that, we we close the podcast. We ask everybody for just some advice for startup founders. It's kind of, you know, it's become one of the more popular parts of our show. Just uh, anything you want to share right now would be helpful. Yeah. So uh, a lot of startup founders would probably know this, but if, uh, if I were starting a startup today, the first things I would focus on would be product 
and culture, right? You can bring in technology folks. Uh, if you know technology, you can, you can develop that technology, right? Uh, but if you don't start from day one with a product focus and a focus on having a culture that is highly productive and driving towards that, you're going to find it's very hard to get funding, right? Because uh, even in government, the agencies care about product, not tech which is kind of weird. And culture is what keeps people coming to work every day and doing wonderful things. So it's nice to hear you say that about culture as well from where you're sitting, you know, and to and to have you say that you see a difference around culture in the work that you're doing for your clients as well. That says a yeah. lot. It's just so important. Um, you know, we again, we work with a lot of people who are very technical and I have seen you know, personality clashes and, you know, culture issues really destroy a great team. Whereas, you know, a kind of a B team with a great culture sometimes just pulls amazing things out of nowhere and does great things. That is true. I, I can relate to that from my own life experiences. So, yes. Um, so where can our listeners get more information? This is fascinating. I didn't, you know, I think like me, they're all sitting there going, you know, we had no idea of the magnitude of opportunity there out there around this. Well, so first, any of your listeners that would like a free consult, uh, I'd be happy to to offer that here in this program. Just mention oh, the uh, thank mention the podcast, right? And you can so our website is www.aegiscreek.com, and that's a e g i s c r e e k. Dot com, or you can email me, and these emails are really tough. It's Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, at aegiscreek.com. <laughs> so <laughs> feel free to um, to send me an email, mention the podcast, and you know, we'll do an hour of free consult with you uh, on you know opportunities, um, strategy. Some some folks are just not going to be. Uh, this isn't going to be a good fit for them, and that's fine. Uh, and you know, might as well figure out what is what works and what doesn't. Um, and we're like I said, we're happy to do that for you. Fantastic! Listeners. Thank you so much. That's great. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you for this today. It was fascinating. I really appreciate the examples you shared because they really kind of drove home, you know, what you're doing and the opportunities out there and and the success that's possible. So thank you so much for today. You're welcome. I thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. This was this was delightful. And I don't get enough chances to tell people about these cool opportunities. So I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Startup Success. To make sure you don't miss out on future episodes, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Like what you hear? Tap the number of stars you think the show deserves in Apple Podcasts. For more tools and resources for your own startup success, check out berklandassociates.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.